there's so many people in society that um, that people have just given up on, right? And they say, look, they made mistakes. They, they, they went down a path that wasn't the right path for a little while, and they're sort of written off. And when you add up the number of people who have in one way or another been given up on, and you start to, you start to see a, a pretty bleak picture for, for society in, in that respect. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast, your host, Jason Lachance. And uh, through my addiction recovery and struggles with anxiety and depression, I uh, dug into my passion for speaking with those who have turned their darkest times into their greatest advantages. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about. And my guests are Colette Weintraub of Stand Together Music and Stand Together CEO, Brian Hooks. Stand Together is all about America's boldest change makers tackling the root causes of our country's biggest problems and that includes addiction and of course we are seeing a rampant crisis of addiction in our country right now that is taking thousands and thousands and thousands of lives constantly i have an amazing conversation with colette and brian on why they're doing what they're doing some of their background that got them into stand together and stand together music and of course we wrap up with some fun random questions and i leave them with the final thoughts Brian Hooks and Colette Weintraub, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, You guys piece together some things that I love, music, uh, recovery, and helping others. So it was a a win-win to want to speak with you folks. But I've got to know the why of it. You know, when when folks get into this area, and it's, it's not a tough, it's a tough area to open your heart to. You know, we see a lot of suffering out there. Um, Colette, why the why for you? Why stand together music? Yeah, so um, I started my career in music Mm. and and I'm a huge fan of music. I I credit music very much personally with where I am today. Just, you know, the music helping me overcome challenges as a kid and and knowing that there was something more out there, um, which is really why I got in the music industry when I started. And then in my career, I, you know, I moved from music to TV, film, branded entertainment, and hit a certain point where everything we were working on was number one. It was, it was American Idol, right? And, but I'd go home at night and I would turn on the news and the world was falling apart. And on the weekends, I was too tired to volunteer and I was donating money and I was signing petitions, but I really didn't feel like that was enough. And I just had a moment where I thought, you know what, I need to find a way to make what I feel like I'm very good at doing, what I love to do, but actually make an impact that's greater than ticket sales, um, that's greater than TV ratings. I mean, that's that's all good, but how can I actually now take that and, and make it a bigger impact? Um, and so that's when I pivoted my career and I went to work with Bono to start Red. That was kind of my first intersection of music brand and impact. And I've been playing in that space ever since. Um, and so when the opportunity came up to join Stand Together, which is a community that reaches across multiple issues that are impacting the country um, and much more broadly. I thought, wow, if I can take, again, what I love to do, what I think I'm good at, and then pair it with this community at Stand Together who can really make a meaningful and transformative impact across the country, that's the greatest thing. Yeah. What about you, Brian? Well, I'm inspired by people like Colette. I mean, I I, I love what I do. Uh, across the board. And as Colette said, stand together. We are a, a pretty expansive organization. 
we try to tackle some of the biggest problems in the country and, and the challenges that, that people are struggling with when it comes to substance use disorder, addiction, mental health certainly rank up there these days, unfortunately, among the biggest challenges. But, but broadly speaking, uh, the chance to work with incredible people like Colette, like the hundreds of other colleagues that I've got at Stand Together and the thousands of social entrepreneurs, people who are finding new and better ways to take down big problems in the country. And it's a reason to get up every, every day. There's a lot of really, really amazing organizations out there. At Stand Together, we try to take a pretty different approach to solving these big problems. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about this uh, today, I hope. But in a nutshell, you know, a lot of groups that are, are tackling problems, they see the people who are struggling with the problems as problems to be solved. Mm-hmm. It's understandable, right? Things are really tough. Uh, and when you're talking about addiction or you're talking about problems with people struggling in the economy or the criminal justice system, the education system, if you look at the people that are struggling as problems to be solved, you bring a certain perspective to, to that issue and one that hasn't worked very well kind of across the board. At Standing Together, we, we try to take the opposite approach. We see people who are struggling as the source of the potential solution. And so we get to come alongside these incredible people who in many cases are, are having a really hard time, but who have an incredible life experience to bring to solving the problem. And we get to ask them, what is it that we've got or that we could bring to the table that could help you to break the barriers that are holding you back? And in doing that, uh, enable you to empower you know, hundreds, thousands, sometimes, sometimes millions more people to overcome their struggles. And when you get to do that every single day with incredible people, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's a, it's what I want to do. Yeah. Well, you're hitting on some good, good things there. As someone that also works in the nonprofit uh, uh, called Parents and Addicts in Need, um, our biggest challenge is getting those quote unquote in power to listen to us, those in the recovery community. You know, we see so many different things, legislation. It's like, would you please just take the recovering addicts, the people that have really worked us and 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 let us tell you what to do because because we know how it works. Like you You've know, right? you seen yeah. it. Yeah, it's like okay, you want to understand the kid that and why he's overdosed on fentanyl five times and what that pull is. It's like speak with us. We we know why. We are the why. So pick our brains. Let us help you. But Oh, goodness. It's great that people are at least after it. But um, Colette, you mentioned something interesting to me that I resonated with me. Music for me was a huge mm, I, lack of a better word, not coping, but positive light in, in some childhood challenges. Do you, would you care to speak on what some of those challenges were and maybe even some of the music that did kind of, you know, keep a positive outlook for you? Absolutely. So I grew up in a in a really small town. Um, and I'm an only child and was about an hour away from my school. Um, so it was a commute every morning to and from at night. And then on the weekends, and now I understand this as an adult, why my parents didn't want to then drive an hour when they didn't have to on the weekends. But as a child, I did not understand that. Um, and I felt very isolated and very alone and felt like there would be more to the world. Felt like there must be more than I'm seeing in this, in this small town, in this really remote place. Um, but really didn't have anything around me to show me that to be true. So we didn't have cable TV. We had four ch- channels. They were showing news and like mash or something. They still show that when I go home. Um, there was nothing really to give me that, that vision of a, a bigger world, except music did. And I would listen to music and I would hear these songs and I would listen to the lyrics and think, I know there's more out there because of these songs. 
Um, and you too, the Joshua Tree was one of those albums for me, actually. And, and, you know, things like where the streets have no name and you just kind of think about the expanse of that. Um, and so that album, really, I was just sitting in, sit in a tree and listen to it um, on a Walkman over and over and over and kind of just dream my way out of, without knowing really where I was going, I just wanted to dream my way out of that town. Um, and so that's what I did. And I did have a moment when I was listening to that album where I said, you know what, I want to see you two play in Dublin someday. And again, not knowing how or when or why that would happen. Um, but that opportunity did happen and it was incredible. So while you're checking knocking doors down out, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you get a lot out of this podcast, share with a friend. And don't forget the archive of interviews we have. Bam Margera, Brandon Novak, Kat Von D, Charlie Sheen, Edward Furlong, Kelly Osborne. The list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast, sharing how they have found purposeful lives. Speaking of purpose, how about a lifestyle brand with purpose? 5150 LTM. That's right. Not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life, but they give back to the community. And you, the listener of Knocking Doors Down, get 20% off every time you shop at 5150 LTM. All you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off. And how does 5150 give back to the community? Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Their three amazing programs, the race to end the stigma, the race for autism, and the race to be drug free. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. It's so amazing how we can manifest certain things as, as at any point in our life, really, but in our childhood, you know, I mean, it's the irony of me fantasizing. I, I just want to talk into a microphone and, and talk with people, you know, loving morning show radio growing up. So it's the irony to have done that for 20 plus years. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, um, Brian, I got to ask you, though, I mean, you know, you're an entrepreneur, a businessman, but what personally from you? Was it like, this is something I really have to step into? Did you have a loved one that faced some addiction issues or, or were you just seeing it where you were growing, you know, where you live now? Uh, I mean, you know, and things like that. Well, I think a big part of, of what motivates me across everything we do is the sort of tyranny of low expectations, mm. if that makes sense. And so there's so many people in society that, um, that people have just given up on. Right. And they say, look, they made mistakes. They, they, they went down a path that wasn't the right path for a little while. And they're sort of written off. And when you add up the number of people who have in one way or another been given up on, and you start to, you start to see a, a pretty bleak picture for, for society in, in that respect. And, and I think that, that when it comes to the issue of, you know, drugs or of substance use of, of people, um, you know, struggling, this is this is this is this is what I see. And so when when um, when we got involved in the issue of addiction, we we weren't out there looking for groups that were addressing addiction. We were out there looking for groups that were addressing that larger problem. We're, what groups are taking uh, a second look at folks who have been given up on in society, if that makes sense, and saying this is crazy. We 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 got to stop doing that. We got to recognize. You know that every single person has dignity. Every person has value. Everybody's got something to contribute. 
they may they, they they just might not have found it yet. And when you look at the numbers, I mean, you know this better than most people, right? I mean, the number of people who report having struggled with addiction or with substance use disorder um, or, or continue to struggle is tens of millions of people. It's something like 40 million people in this country. And even that understates it, right? Because that doesn't count the family members and the friends and the employers and the really all of the, the ripple effect that this challenge has on, on society. And so for, for me, the spark was meeting, um, in this case, a guy named Scott Strode, mm. uh, a guy who leads an incredible organization that Stand Together has had the privilege to work with now for about six, seven years, a group called The Phoenix. And Scott was one of these guys. Scott, you know, struggled. Uh, if you talk to him, he'll, he'll tell you he struggled for about 10 years with um, with uh, with pretty hardcore uh, substance use challenges, um, alcohol and cocaine in, in Scott's case. And, you know, the number of people that had given up on Scott in his life, you know, was was enormous. But, um, you know, Scott found his way to a gym mm. and, uh, you know, somebody put him in a boxing ring and had him start uh, punching a bag. And all of a sudden, Scott started to uh, to believe in himself. And it was from that spark, that experience that he had sort of getting his head back together and trying to figure out the right path for him that he started this group, the Phoenix. Um, and as we learn more and more about how Scott saw the challenge of addiction and how Scott was kind of flipping the script uh, on, on, on this challenge in society, rather than giving up on the people that struggle, doing exactly the opposite, saying, not only do I believe in you, but I believe that you can accomplish extraordinary things that in many cases, other people can accomplish because they haven't gone through the struggles that you have. Um, it was really through that experience, um, again, six, seven years ago, that I got deeply invested in this issue. And it's, frankly, we've kind of been off to the races ever since. Hmm. And then you throw in what Colette's talking about, you, you, you throw in um, music and, you know, bringing the sort of the ability to, to really draw more and more people in, really kind of bring a passion to solving a problem like this at a scale that, that we're talking about it now. You know, it's once you once you get started, it's hard to stop. Well, and, and you bring such a great point. I mean, you know, um, it's one of the reasons, Colette, I wanted to ask you about music and and relate to you on that level, is it does give us such a great device, I guess you could say, to really open people's minds and and pull them in. I mean, we're seeing it so much. I mean, across the board of not only the talented artists that we've lost, but those that are now open about their sobriety and their struggles, you know, people like Corey Taylor of Slipknot. And I mean, we can go on and on slash of guns and roses, Nikki six Motley, you know, all these people. And, and, and I think that ability to grab an individual's attention. And I know for me, those were guys that, that I looked up to growing up and then went, Whoa, wait, they can do this. I can do this too. You know, and without the excuse of, well, they had millions of dollars. It doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes a lot of effort if you want your sobriety. So when did we decide to take, you know, really formulate stand together, stand together music? Well, let, let me tell the origin story if I can, Colette, and then, and then Colette's really taking taking things to the next level. You know, Stand Together Music was born out of the recognition that in really, really difficult times, music can inspire people and can bring people together. And so we started standing together music right in the depths of COVID. 
And it was this moment where, you know, at Stand Together, we work with a few hundred different organizations that are working in some of the toughest situations in the country, you know, communities that are experiencing generational poverty, high levels of, of addiction, violence, family separation, all this stuff that makes it really, really difficult to just get through the day. And then COVID hits, the economy shuts down, and, and these are the communities that are hit hardest. And so the groups that we were working with and, and that we work with, they were already sort of at the edge of their, their limits. And this just, you know, was pushing them beyond. And so they were burned out. They were seeing the worst of it every day. At the same time, you know, many of us are, are enamored of music. We love music. And we recognize that artists couldn't play out anymore, mm. right? So their lives were increasingly sort of being disrupted, shut down. They were more and more isolated. And we just said, hey, what if we brought these two communities together, the people that were on the front lines getting burned out with the artists who no longer had, you know, the ability to kind of get their voice out there and, and reach people. And we put together what we called um, Stand Together, Jam Together, which was a private uh, Zoom experience. And if you, you know, all of us now have living on Zoom for the last few years, Zoom was not made for music, right? No. And so it was like super low tech. Uh, but that was that was kind of the point. It was just intimate. It was for no other purpose except for to get some of these groups that could just use their their tank to be refilled with the artists who were looking for a way to contribute, but no longer had you know a, a platform to do it because they couldn't play out. And we just said, look, tell each other, tell each other what's going on, tell each other stories, and the about about what you're experiencing and how you can help each other uh, to just make it. And the first one we did was with this group, the Phoenix. And it was on on addiction recovery, and um, and it may have been the first, it may have been the second one, but early on it was with the Phoenix, and we had just these incredible artists that came on, and some of them for the first time spoke up about their addiction story, their their recovery story, and the ability for them to relate to the groups like the Phoenix were on the front lines that were that were working with people who were who were struggling even more because of COVID. And and they could see that by telling their story and then ultimately by playing music on this Zoom platform where, you know, it's like <laughs> it's out of sync and you got somebody in their kitchen right. clapping and all of that stuff. But it made a difference, right? The artist left thinking, wow, I've just been able to, to help a group that care, that's doing something that I care about. And the groups like the Phoenix and the people that were working on the front lines, they said, you know, there's somebody out there that cares about me. And they, they recognize the struggles that I'm going through and, and what, what we're doing to help people. And so it was putting music and, and a cause like the Phoenix together right from the beginning. We said, hey, we're onto something. The first Zoom calls had, you know, 40, 50 people. By the end of it, we had seven, 800 people. Uh, and it was still all just, you know, the only purpose was to bring people together to really show how music can help to supercharge people and solutions like the Phoenix that are that are really helping people to realize their potential. And then, you know, COVID, um, you know, passes and we say, we got something. And so we said, we better call in the experts at this point, right? We've we kind of taken <laughs> on a shoestring. And Colette's come in and really helped us to see the tremendous potential that this idea, this Stand Together music idea has across a lot of our solutions. But but we never left some of those early groups like the Phoenix. And, and the Phoenix has really leaned into this. And, and now music is an integral part of how we're trying to help, you know, million, million people, millions of people yeah. who live a better life in recovery. So, Colette, you can share more about, about 
how you took it out of the hands of us amateurs and, and have uh, really kind of taken things off. But it's amazing how powerful music is in bringing people together and helping uh, just make some of these incredible solutions even more effective. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we came in also kind of at the right time coming out of the pandemic where similar, I think, to the experience I shared, Jason, where people start to realize, wait a second, I need to find a way to do more. Um, and things are different now. And people came back in various stages of the pandemic and particularly with music and live events and having not been able to do the things that they that had fulfilled them um, personally and financially for so long, right? They, they came back with, with different priorities and maybe some different perspectives. Um, and so what had been often in the music industry, a pretty transactional way that artists or music partners could participate in making a, a change. That could be something like autograph a guitar, right? So someone could auction it off or play a benefit concert. So those are pretty kind of one-off transactional things. They have a benefit in that they're low transaction costs to the artists in the music industry. So that's part of the reason that those were working well previously. Um, but coming back in after the pandemic, really understanding that people really want to make a, a change. People want to do more mm -hmm. than that. The artists really want to do more. The industry wants to do more. The fans expect that they'll do more and the fans want to do more. And so once we, you know, kind of came in and talked about the solutions, again, that Stand Together offers across multiple uh, issue areas, those are things that the music industry said, okay, wait, great. You actually can serve for us as our impact partner um, because you can imagine as well, artists, the industry, they have brands that they also want to protect. And it's hard when there's tens of thousands of nonprofits out there or issues or causes, and they're trying to figure out, wait, where do we direct our efforts? How do we know we're really going to make a change? How do we make sure that there is transparency and we can tell the rest of the story? Um, and it's not just a one-off thing. And so those are all things that Stand Together brings to the table that are really helpful for the music industry as well. So are you then taking the 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 artists and connecting them maybe with an organization per se that it is, or, or how does it work as far as, so if I'm an artist, I come in, we do a benefit concert and, and then, you know, we want to support, you know, uh, fentanyl awareness or something like that. It, where then is it after? So it can, it can be either way, right? I mean, I think it can be based on an issue. So we have a lot of artists who really care about addiction recovery and, and hence 1 million strong so they can plug in there and support um, there are others who really care about education. Their you know, creative community might have actually done well with some diverse and customized education programs that they didn't maybe have access to as kids. Um, so there's a lot that care about that, a lot care about criminal justice. There are a lot that care about free expression and, and free speech, um, because if we don't have those, those freedoms, then we actually our art is compromised. Um, so it, you know, we, that's what we start with is just a dialogue. What really moves you? What do you really care about? Where, where do you want to focus your impact? Um, from there, we then work with them to create. And, and I think this is, again, what makes us unique is we don't have a one size fits all. Here's a proposal. Here's a plan. Here's what you can do. We really work with our partners to, to create something and co-create something with them that's meaningful for them. That's awesome. I love it. So the One Million Strong campaign, how does that sit underneath the stand together? And, and what really is the initiative of One Million Strong? Brian, do you want to take this one or would you like me to? Well, I'll kick it off and, and you, you, um, you fill in, if you, you, you take it from there. I think what's, what's so amazing about an opportunity like One Million Strong, you know, stand together, we support a couple thousand different organizations in any given year. 
And so that dialogue that Colette's talking about is is genuine. We don't come with sort of this one size fits all solution. We we speak to the artist and we say, what are you what are you passionate about? And then we ask the question, what do we have that can help you to be more effective in addressing something that you care about than you know anything else you might do on that issue? Um, I remember early on, one of the guys that we work with is uh, Robert Randolph uh, from Robert Randolph and the Family Band, incredible guitarist and just a really yeah. good guy. And Robert had gotten to know us a little bit. He had been engaged in this dialogue with Stand Together. And we he was at one of our events and we we didn't prepare him for this. We said, hey, Robert, just say a few words to the to the group here about why you're here and, and what why why you're enthusiastic about finding this partnership with Stand Together. And I'll never forget, Robert stood up and he said, you know, we have a saying in the music industry. We call it the shake and fake. <laughs> he said, you know, we show up. Uh, because we're asked to, to do something for a cause, we shake hands and we fake like we know what's going on and we're involved. And then we we often get a check and then we go home and we're not really sure whether or not our participation made a difference. And Robert was like, this is exactly the opposite of that, right? And this, at that point, Robert said, look, I've been coming to these conversations with Stand Together. I've been engaged through Stand, Stand Together, Jam Together, all of that early on. So they haven't asked me for anything except for what are the issues that I care most about solving? And he said, and I, I look at a lot of the, the groups that sort of have these big brand names who say that they're working on stuff, and I don't see them in my community. I, I work with Stand Together, and, and now I, I see them all over the place in my community. And so it's that I think it's that, that genuine search for how can we help people to be more effective that, that distinguishes the conversations that we're having with artists. And that's kind of what gave, gave rise to One Million Strong listening to artists. I remember, you know, another guy that has been incredibly um, influential in our thinking about this, a guy like Matt Sorum, yeah. who was on that, that first Zoom call uh, where, we, where we worked with the Phoenix. And Matt was one of the guys that, that told a very personal story of, of recovery. And then he played some incredible music. Um, but, you know, guys like that who have been at it for a long time or other people like Machine Gun Kelly, also somebody who was involved with us early on and as we were kind of formulating this one million strong idea, um, they've got this enormous platform, right? They've got a voice that people listen to and and can turn people onto things, but they weren't sort of finding the right thing to turn people onto. And so the, the one million strong is really an, a an opportunity to connect those two things, the platform that artists like these guys and now uh, dozens more, hundreds more have with a solution like the Phoenix, which again has been, you know, proven to, to be extraordinarily effective. Hope maybe we'll have a chance to talk a little bit more about what the Phoenix does, but um, kind of inspiring uh, artists to use their voice to welcome people who could benefit from solutions to recovery like the phoenix offers that believe that everybody who's struggling has something to offer that doesn't focus on people's deficiencies and treat people who are struggling with addiction as broken but see see them as, as strong people who and we focus on their strengths right and once that idea got out there that artists could have a major influence in helping turn people on to a good solution that's kind of what gave birth to one million strong and colette i'll let you kind of get into where where you've led that now and and what the opportunity looks like which is just frankly at a massive scale yeah thanks brian i mean it's 
you know, from the from the name one million strong, you kind of hear a million so community and, and strength, and th- those are two things that are really important to us. So the idea behind one million strong and that we you know articulate through everything that we do when we activate with a partner in the music industry or anywhere else is this idea that sobriety um, and recovery and addiction, you know, we want people to go from this thinking that people are deficient to the idea that people are actually really strong. Um, and the idea that, you know, loneliness and isolation, which which people do face in, in addiction and in recovery, um, we actually know that community is key to recovery and key to sustaining recovery. So that's really important as well. Um, the idea that you can not just survive a day, but you can actually thrive in life, in a life of recovery. Um, and then the ability to have these open conversations to destigmatize, which, you know, Jason, you, you touched on, and Brian, you touched on with Matt Sorum, when an artist comes forward and talks openly um, and without shame about their experience, that gives permission and helps others feel seen. So those things are, are really important to us. Um, and then, as Brian said, the music industry has literally a megaphone, right? And a stage yeah. platform. Yeah. So they can help us really accelerate um, and amplify the change that, that we want to make. We, we actually really want, in addition to, you know, more than a million people in addiction recovery through the Phoenix, we want to let people know that this, this opportunity exists, right? That there's another way, that you're not alone. Um, so the music industry is well positioned to do that. They also, I think, you know, the music industry over-indexes for challenges with substance use and also with mental health. Um, And that impacts everybody. That is the crew, the artists, the executives, the managers, the agents, the fans. And so bringing all of that together and understanding, we don't want fans to be left outside the gates. We don't want artists who have chosen a life of recovery or, or have chosen not to drink to feel like they can't go on stage and do the things that they love to do and connect with the fans. So we, we need to come up with a better way. Yeah. Uh, so that's been incredible. Knocking Doors Down by Carlos Vieira. Now available wherever you get audiobooks. I wasn't done partying and I didn't want the binge to end. I think I knew that when I finally got home, I'd have to face what I had done and I wasn't ready to do that. Being responsible for my actions wasn't something I was looking forward to. I had abandoned my wife and baby, my family, and my business. I wanted to avoid the shame of returning to what I had left behind. Even though I was not yet going home, I wasn't sure I had enough resources to continue the binge. Click the link in the podcast description to find out more. Both of you mentioned a word that is so key. And as I tell, especially newcomers, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connectivity. And if you're going to lose connection, hey, as a guy that's relapsed a couple of times, I know the reason why. I got disconnected from my community and the people that were there to call me on my BS and keep me in check and, you know, that uh, responsible and reliable and all those things that go out the window when you're in your addiction. Um, let's talk about connectivity a little bit. How are you really helping these, these recovery communities stay connected beyond obviously the amazing musical experiences, the artists that are lending their time, their stories and so on. Well, maybe I'll tell you a little bit about how the Phoenix does this because they really are the the group that's powering this larger effort, 1 million strong. And the Phoenix, as I mentioned a minute ago, it's just an incredible organization. So when we met Scott Strode in the Phoenix six, seven years ago, he had already been working for 10 years. Um, they were in about four different communities, and they had helped about 4,000 people, which is an extraordinary 
accomplishment, um, you know, given given what the Phoenix does. And uh, six, seven years later, you know, they're on track now. They're in, uh, you know, well over 140 different cities. Uh, they've helped now a couple hundred thousand people. And they're on track to 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 reach a million people. And then, you know, you talk to Scott and it's like, he's not slowing down. That's not where that's not where they're stopping, which I, I think will make them one of the largest recovery programs, uh, certainly in the country. And their whole model is community. It's exactly what you just said. It's uh, if all we do is we, quote unquote, fix what's wrong with you. We never actually get the chance to help you discover and unlock all the things that are right about you. And so when you go and hang out with, you know, people that are in recovery as part of the Phoenix, the one thing that you rarely hear them talk about is their addiction, right? What they're talking about is their life, right? Their family or the opportunities that they're working for, or the, you know, the, the mountain that they just climbed. Uh, they're talking about what they can do rather than what they, they couldn't do or what they, what they were struggling against. It's not to say that it's not important to sort of examine your, your challenges, but you gotta you gotta get the right balance, right? You focus on the upside. So what the Phoenix does is it's a peer-to-peer physical fitness uh, organization. Uh, it's free to anybody who is 48 hours sober. Hmm. Uh, and it is a lifelong community that they build around you to basically, you know, build the kind of social capital, the kind of connectivity that every one of us, all of us rely on to be successful in our lives. And when you meet the people from the Phoenix and you actually get in the, you know, in the, the works with them, right? Whatever it is that you're doing. Remember, I, I, uh, I've, I've known them for a long time now, so I've gotten to do a number of things with them. Uh, one of the things they do is rock climbing, right? And so you think about how much reliance on each other there is when you're like scaling, you know, <laughs> And, you know, when I went, when I went with them rock climbing, um, you know, I'm first time out, you know, absolute beginner. I'm looking at this huge mountain. They're looking, they're like, it's just a tiny little hill. Right. But when you're hanging 60, 70 feet off the rock face and you look down and you see Todd holding the rope, the last thing in the world you're thinking is that's Todd, the guy that used to be addicted to something. You're thinking, thank God that Todd's got that rope, you know, and my life in his hands. And that's the whole spirit of the Phoenix, right? It's building on people's strengths, helping them to discover what they can accomplish in their lives and importantly, by contributing in the lives of others and really helping them to build that kind of, you know, vision of themselves as thriving together in community rather than simply recovering. Uh, And so when uh, when we hook them up with the the musicians and when they sort of power this one million strong effort, what we're doing is we're inviting anybody into that larger community. And so they're, they're in, as I said, you know, well over 140 different cities now. Um, they're also enabled by a digital app. Mm-hmm. And so when you show up at a concert and you walk into the One Million Strong tent, which has got, you know, sort of the premium uh, sighting, it's not sort of over there in the corner, uh, and you get introduced to somebody from the local Phoenix community, and maybe you're, you yourself are struggling, maybe you're a family member, so you're an ally of somebody who is, or maybe you're just somebody that wants to help out. You immediately have an, an access point, an entryway to become part of this community that's building this nationwide solution to help empower people who have struggled with addiction to be the, the, the best selves, right? To kind of become self-actualized and to contribute um, in the lives of others. 
So, so it's extraordinary uh, and on this front of actually building connectivity, as you say. Yeah. Well, and I think that's just one of us, someone that, you know, I mean, uh, before I was a parent, I think I was hitting like a maybe 180 concerts a year. I mean, some crazy amount, you know, going all the time. Um, but now in my recovery and especially hitting, you know, maybe the the two, three, four day festivals and stuff like that, you know, having a sobriety tent or an area for so many people that are, are you know, at whatever point in recovery, I mean, I just couldn't imagine how beneficial I, I know I've been to some events and, you know, Hey, you go and you check in as the DD and they provide you soda or water all night, which is great. That's a nice start. But I think, you know, showing others that, Hey, you're not the only sober person here is just key and incredibly powerful because, you know, I tell people all the time, especially my newcomers, I have more fun now than ever. And guess what? I remember all of it. I, I never end up with the threat of handcuffs going to be on at some point or, you know, my relationship falling apart or whatever else. It's like, look, there's a really great life here for you beyond just the not using the substance. Uh, you know what you just uh, described, Jason, is um, actually kind of our, the first time we put the One Million Strong Wellness Retreat at a festival. We did that with our partners, Danny Wimmer Presents at a festival. I know Danny. Yeah, they're incredible. Right. And, um, you know, they've got a festival called Bourbon and Beyond, one yeah. of the most surprising places you might expect to see a celebration. <laughs> um, but I know I know the Dannys and I called, you know, when, when we started One Million Strong to say, hey, you know, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're about. Um, and here's what we would like to do. And it's really important that when we do this One Million Strong Wellness Retreat, it reinforces these things, right? Strength versus deficiency, community instead of loneliness. Really people, as you just said, Jason, like thriving, having a great time. Um, and some options for people, not just a soda, you know, a soda is non-alcoholic, but that is very different from an elevated mocktail that is something that makes me feel like I'm participating in community and with my friends. Yeah. Um, and so, so they were great. I mean, they said, that's exactly what we want. We just didn't know how to do that. And so right in the center of the footprint of the festival, and that is also a four-day music festival, which I'm just going to say is a day longer than I've been used to. <laughs> <laughs> so that alone, right in the center of the footprint, they they let us put our One Million Strong Wellness Retreat. And what's remarkable about that, and, and you just mentioned it, um, the, the paradigm or the way that people in the music industry and the festivals in, in particular have been supporting people in recovery or in need of help at a festival is the person goes to an information booth, says, I need support. And then most often they are sent to kind of a far away corner of the festival, right? off to the side of the perimeter, two white folding chairs. They have a session with, with a, a coach or a counselor. They're alone and they're away from community. And then they need to come back alone and then back into the community and back into the fun. So it was really important that this experience was right in the footprint of the festival. It's equidistant from any bar as it is from the One Million Strong Wellness Center to any one of the, the stages. Um, it looks like a spa or a VIP experience, beautiful white cushions, really comfortable to go into, greenery everywhere. Um, it is truly a retreat. And then there's kind of a front patio area where people can gather and have food, a mocktail cart with craft elevated mocktails that people can can have um, full of people, right? It's always to your point, Jason, where it's like, you want to know you're not the only sober one. It's full of people. People were coming up, fans were coming up there at 
after they realized it was here and it was a place they could find each other, they would meet up there to go have sober mosh pits. Uh, <laughs> so, right. When you talk about like, uh-huh. uh, is how much music means. And then if you're, if you're in recovery and feeling like maybe you can't have those traditions and those things that were so important and that connection to your community of fans at the mosh pit, but now you can. Um, and that's what those fans said. They said, we never would have thought about a sober mosh pit or that it could be fun, but it's incredible. And they would come back every day to meet up to do that. Um, we had a family, the first day we opened uh, the One Million Strong Wellness Retreat at Bourbon and Beyond, a family of, well, three walked around the corner. It was a mom with her two kids. And when they saw the One Million Strong Wellness Retreat and understood what it was, the little boy said, dad could have come. Mm-hmm. Um, so their dad's in recovery and they didn't know this was going to be here. So he stayed home this year, the, the dad will come. And that's what they said. They said, if you're back next year, which we will be, then we will get to come as a family. So it's that kind of experience has just been incredible. Yeah. It, by chance, do you know if they're going to have it at Aftershock in Sacramento? What we're doing as of now uh, for Aftershock, there's Aftershock and then there's the, the festival after. And for the crew, there's only a one day turn time between the two. Mm. Um, typically that day, Danny Wimmer has offered for the crew to go on an excursion and often it's to Napa, um, right? Which then for the crew that doesn't drink could feel exclusion, excluded. They can do something else. So actually this year, the Phoenix is going to be partnering with Danny Wimmer Presents and, and offering the crew the same trip. They can go to Napa too. They can bike ride, right? So it's actually, the other piece of this is it's not sober people over here. Um, right. It's everybody can can go together and, and share that experience. So that's how we'll be working with Danny Wimmer Presents for that festival. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was going to probably be there a couple of days and I'm like, hey, this is something I want to get involved with. So we're going to have to at least connect after this. I'd like to get more involved and in, in explore this in my area because where we're at in the Central Valley, California, we're really in need, you know, and as a, as a guy that loves his rock music, music in general, hey, you know, if there's a way I can participate and help, especially something I might already be there, like, let's go, let's do this. So. We will definitely make sure to connect you with our Phoenix uh, team in Sacramento at the festival. Excellent. Yeah. I can't I can't help it but take you up on that because that to me is a really important part about addressing something as huge as addiction is there's got to be a way for anybody who wants to get involved to actually get involved, right? And, and yeah. be part of the solution. And so, you know, a big part of the Phoenix's vision on this is it doesn't matter who you are. Um, whether you're struggling yourself or you're just passionate about it, there's a way for you to get involved. So if you, um, they, they, they recently launched uh, 1 million strong.com, uh, anybody can go there and sign up. Right. And one of the ways that they've been able to expand um, so much is because they're providing volunteer opportunities, everything from just showing up at, you know, at a hike or at a bike ride or at a, a climb uh, all the way to starting your own chapter. And so this is why it can become this nationwide movement, because if there's guys like you who are like, hey, wait a minute, this this fits me, there's actually a way for you to get engaged. And you can sort of multiply that through, you know, hopefully millions of people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would love to talk to Scott, too, um, if you could connect me. Sounds like oh, an yeah. extraordinary individual that we would probably hit it off pretty well. But uh, I want to ask really, too, I mean, I, I know I saw it and I've told many a stories about some of my my backstage stupidity with music artists. You know, uh, one of my stories, and I don't think they would have an issue with it, was uh, Nickelback concert. I show up there. 
and uh, doing the meet and greet with the record rep and and uh, and he mentioned something to the band about me having to purchase my ticket. And they're like, wait a minute, aren't you a radio guy? You purchased your ticket. And he's like, yeah, I messed up. I forgot to put him on the list. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just a huge fan. I just wanted to be here. So then one of the members goes, that's BS. Not only are you going to hang out with us right now, you're going to hang out with us after the show. Well, Canadians can party. So, uh, you know, in in my, uh, you know, I had yet to really reach my pinnacle, but I definitely saw so much of it. I saw situations of artists sneaking off and going, oh, they're buying something a little more than booze right now. And, you know, I saw a lot of it. And, you know, why do we think, it's so prevalent. My belief is the lack of genuine connectivity that really goes on. There's so many people that want something from you, but they don't really want to sit and have a conversation with a, you know, with a slash or whoever it is. They just want to be around slash. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen some of the the stats in terms of um, specifically like the, the touring industry, mm-hmm. right, which over indexes as well. And so, it, you know, a lot of that is based on what that lifestyle is. You're you're on the road for a long period of time. You're 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 also disconnected from your friends and your family. Um, you're typically not even in a city for a full 24 hours. Right. You're just kind of always on the move. You jump in, you load in, you do your show, you load out, you're on the bus or the van, and then you're into the next place. You're doing radio the next morning, right? And then you kind of go again. So those those long hours, the high demands, the high performance uh, required, no matter what role you play in the music industry, um, particularly for, for touring and live music prof- professionals, um, 34% of, of touring professionals reported suffering from clinical levels of depression, um, which is compared to 7% of the general population. Nearly half reported drinking alcohol regularly. 58% reported having lost a tour colleague to suicide. Um, and so I think, you know, to your, to your point, Jason, and I, I've seen that as well, right, with, with artists and being in the music industry for a long time, it is a, it's a tough business. Um, but what we've really started to see through One Million Strong and, and through artists being open and having these conversations about their experience and connecting with one another, all of a sudden it's like, wait, you too? Oh, okay, all right, we're we're kind of we're all here and it's okay. Um, and so it's it's starting to feel a lot better uh, in the backstage areas as well. So yeah, my uh, my sponsor ironically works for one of the. Uh, I would say larger rock bands in the world. I'll tell you once we're done recording, I don't want to spill them out there too much, but he talked many a times about, you know, setting up some meetings backstage with different people. And he's like, yeah, you know, I didn't really know Nikki six, but then he heard about this meeting. We're on the same festival. He comes over, does a meeting with us and there's so many different people. So it's, yeah, because I can only imagine it. one of my stories that I like to tell. I traveled in Europe for 33 days. By the end of it, granted, this is my early 20s, I was drinking a lot more than when I started. It was really disorientating, and I was having fun. This wasn't a, a work thing where, like you said, you roll into a town, and it's like, oh, my gosh, we're we're in D.C. I want to go to the Arlington Cemetery. I want to go to – it's like, no, you got radio, and then you got to eat, and then you got to do another presser, and then you got to do sound check, and then you're on. You know, it's like this is all it is. You know, that's not as, it's not as glamorous as people sometimes think it is. Yeah. I did. I think it's a bigger, it's exactly right that that all of this over-index is in the music industry, but it's also what you're seeing in, in society more broadly, right? There's this epidemic of loneliness, you know, 
more and more people are reporting that they don't have a deep personal relationship to rely on. And so, you know, it's not unfortunately surprising that you see kind of addiction rates skyrocketing. You, you see, you know, overdoses and, and suicides increasing and all of this. And so this is a big, big issue. Uh, and and the perspective that that we're trying to bring to this whole effort is that it it's not okay just to do a little bit better. Like we actually have to just completely rethink and, and in a sense transform how we try to 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 tackle this. And it's it's got to start with exactly what you're hitting on this connectivity. People have got to feel like they matter in other people's lives, and that 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 they can rely on each other to help them through the struggles. You know, stigma is such a huge thing that prevents this from from happening. And so what you just talked about, I mean, the ability for artists to identify backstage and not be ashamed to sort of say, hey, I could use your help. Yeah. We, we got to see that in, in society more broadly. Can I go back to all the stuff that we've learned from Scott at the Phoenix? Uh, whatever you meet him and you will meet him, we'll introduce you. I guarantee he's going to be wearing his sober shirt. So this this dude is a big dude. It looks like he spent the last you know twenty years in a gym because he has, uh, and he's got this black shirt with his white you know uh, logo on it. That says sober, and it's intentional, right? He's wearing like literally wearing his sobriety on his sleeve, and he wants to sort of say, look, this is not who I am, but it's part of who I am, and I'm I'm wearing it sort of loud and proud, and encouraging other people to be able to kind of raise their hand and say, hey, you know, let's let's relate on that on that issue, uh, but. Got to just got to destigmatize this stuff. Yeah, and I think it's getting better. I really do, and maybe that's just because I'm in it, so I'm kind of have that perspective that I'm in a little bit of a vacuum. Um, but you bring such a good point, and yes, I do look forward to talking to Sky. I dig it already. Just the shirt was enough. That was more of a closer. But you know, I try to converse with with people. You know, when we fall into our addiction, it's so it it's it's our life. It's our personality. It's everything. And I try to convey that what you were sharing there is then your sobriety just becomes an element of it. It's just the fact that you don't use anymore just kind of sits. It's the bottom part. It's put the foundation and you get to build this beautiful pyramid on top of it. And there really is a beautiful pyramid on top of it. You just have to be able to see it sometimes. And I think that's the hard part is, uh, you know, showing them the light at the end of the dark tunnel, that there is a light. You know, some people just need a little more of being shown the way, you know, and um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So I love what you guys are doing and really commend you for stepping into this. You know, Brian mentioned doing doing a lot, right? We need we actually need to make a big change and and speaking about kind of how can we even help destigmatize. Um, Live Nation came in alongside us as an incredible oh. partner. And um, so we partnered with them to launch One Lead Strong and the Phoenix through their program, Sober Nation, which was spun up just recently in May, um, which goes out to all 40,000-ish employees around the country and every Live Nation office around the country um, to really support so that the Live Nation community can come together as a community and support each other in their wellness. And whatever wellness means to every person, they're there for each other. Um, So I went to the launch event at the Los Angeles Live Nation offices and the, you know, one of the heads of HR got up and spoke first about the launch of Sober Nation, the partnership with One Million Strong and the Phoenix and how we're all going to come together. And then I spoke about Stand Together Music and One Million Strong. And then one of my partners from the Phoenix got up and spoke. And at the end of this, we all get off stage and we're standing with one of the heads of HR. 
And Live Nation employees who have been there, some of them 20, 30 years, came up, they introduced themselves to us. They said, thank you. And in front of now somebody that they know is on the HR team said, you know, my name is so-and-so and I've been sober for X number of years. I started my sobriety journey here, but I did it alone. And I'm so grateful that now we have this and that Live Nation is supporting it so that we can all do this together. It's so much easier to do it together. And so that, you know, Live Nation just saying, hey, it's okay. And we're all in this together and we're going to support each other, gave everybody this permission to come forward and start sharing their story in that room in that moment, which was incredible. Yeah. I mean, I have a personal story of some of the the folks that we worked with when I was in radio and letting them know that I was leaving radio to do this. And there was a few of them that shared their stories with me thereafter. Like, hey, it was great working with you, but this is going to be something greater, you know, and um. And I hope that more industries are moving towards that way. We really have to recognize that our people struggle with these issues and let them know it's okay to come and to talk about it and that they have support because, God, if you don't have it, it's you're going to sit in that shame cycle. <laughs> and I know it because I'm telling you, this is how it works. So, uh, well, I love what you folks are doing and... Um, yeah, I'm excited. Please, I want to keep in touch and see how I can get involved and help and get some more things rolling in an area that uh, I I see really needs it where I'm at. Well, we we're, we've passed the 200,000 people uh, helped mark. When we when we reach a million in a year and a half, couple of years, you'll have to have us back on, and we'll all celebrate. We'll bring Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're gonna jump into just some fun, random questions, light in the mood. How's that sound? For sure, that's good. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. Uh, first one here, and I'll start with you, Colette. Pet peeves, just stuff that annoys you. I would say traffic. Um, <laughs> broadening that out, anything that slows me down. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> My new one lately has been uh, people that don't know proper merging technique. It's like, it's one of the first things we learned, you know, signal, mirror, blind spot, accelerate in the gap. It's like, it's not, it's not signal. Or, or lack of signal, just go in there and slow down. Please, come on, people. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Pet peeves. It's hard to be traffic. I mean, I think, you know, between LA, where, where Colette's from, and DC, we're the, uh, we're the worst. <laughs> for it. Uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, thinking too small, mm. right? I've been in this, in this work for 23 years, and there's so many wonderful organizations that are trying to solve problems, but they've sort of accepted that they're never going to succeed. Um, it's understandable. This stuff's hard, but man, we've got to, we've got to raise our expectations. We've got to think like in this issue, we can get it done. Right. I mean, we have to think that way or else, you know, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So thinking too small, uh, you know, annoys me to no end. And then when you see kind of what you can do when you think big, I mean, who in the world would have thought that, you know, live nation 
would partner with a group that was started by a guy who, you know, 25 years ago was it was would would, would describe himself as an addict, you know. But you got to think big. So yeah, so uh, so traffic and thinking too small. Those, those are my uh, <laughs> my. Uh, all right. Hey, challenging one here. Uh, Colette, I might know your answer for part of this, but uh, stranded on a deserted island, you have one music artist's greatest hits and one movie with you. What would they be? Uh, you too. And almost famous. Oh, really? <laughs> That's just what came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a golden I I god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch a lot of things. I'm usually out, but I have watched uh, Almost Famous. So I'll put, put that one in there. All right. What about you, Brian? So I I think I'm going to be carrying two albums with me now for the rest of my time. So I don't. I never have to make this choice, right? This is always the hardest, the hardest question. I'll go with... I'll go with David Bowie as oh. the artist. Uh, and, and, so, and it can be a really long Greatest Hits album if it's Bowie, right? Yep. Uh, and then movie. I'm going to go Yellow Submarine. Oh, wow. All right. There's a lot a lot in that movie. You can watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I See, I'm a huge Prince fan, so I always tell people Prince. I'm like, I got like 48 songs, you know, on a triple CD album. You know, I'm I'm kind of set. Prince is my, I have a running playlist that's two hours so I can do a half marathon all to Prince. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. I think I saw him something. It's somewhere between 20 and 30 times. It was like, you know, and I, and I could have seen him more just one of the most brilliant performers ever. Uh, okay. One last one. You could have dinner with any one person living or not, who would they be and why? Hello, you want to go? I'm still thinking. <laughs> Do you want to go? I'll, I'll go. I'll go. Bill Murray, and I think oh. it needs no explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much trouble going down to one of anything, and I just did that with you too. Um, who would be somebody? I've been so fortunate. Present, com present company excluded, Colette. Well, right. I mean, definitely Brian Hooks. <laughs> That's a t I cannot think of just one person right now. All right. Fair enough. Um, well, uh, before we, uh, I give you each the floor, kind of share your some final thoughts and things you want. Um, one of the major things, and I work with every sponsee on this, is writing about gratitude every day. So three things you're grateful for today. Gosh. Definitely my my work. I mean, I, I wake up every morning just feeling like I'm the luckiest person on the planet, that this is what I get to do every day. And I go to bed every night thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just got to do that today and excited to wake up the next morning to do that. Um, and I think that's an incredible gift. Um, grateful for my health, really important, and my family and friends. Mr. Hooks. Yeah, for, for me, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, my wife, Christine, my daughter, Mackenzie, and my colleagues at Stand Together every single day. Uh, as Colette said, I mean, I don't, you never take it for granted. If I get to see both of them and I come in uh, to work and I get to do what I do with incredible people, I mean, there's, there's hard to imagine a, a better way to live. Absolutely. If people want to find out more about Stand Together, Stand Together Music, The Phoenix, what's the easiest way to connect them? And I'll make sure those links get in the description. 
So standtogether.org for stand together, standtogethermusic.org for stand together music, one millionstrong.com, and that can be the number one million strong or ONE million strong.com, um, and riserecoverlive.org for the Phoenix. Awesome. Well, this is when I like to give you each the floor, something that you would like to share maybe with the people that you're trying to to reach or one of their loved ones. Absolutely. I would just say um, for anybody that wants to get involved and, and be part of One Million Strong, that can be the music industry and artists who might want to partner with us. It can be fans who either are in need of recovery or know someone in need of recovery or in recovery themselves. Um, it can be you know any allies or people who want to actually volunteer and be of service to others. Just go to onemillionstrong.com and there's there's opportunities for everybody to get connected there. Absolutely. What about you, Brian? Well, you know, at Stand Together, we, we say the solutions to the biggest problems in the country are all around us. Uh, often we're just not looking in the right places. And so I think, you know, the lesson that I take from my experience on this issue is, uh, you know, when you see somebody who's struggling rather than sort of look at, look away and, and, and assume that they don't have anything to offer, maybe twice and, and ask what there is that you can do to help. And if you think about, you know, if everybody did that, right? Think about what, what, what a better place the country would be. And that's ultimately how you solve big problems. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives. And that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about.